Hello and welcome to another episode of the Overcoming Life Podcast. Yeah. I'm your host, Nachshon Garrett. I share you guys with you a little story about the name Nachshon. So when I went over to Jerusalem, uh, Israel, Palestine, I uh, went to a hotel at one point in time and one of the hotel connoisseurs or hotel managers he, I introduced myself to him and I said to him, uh, hello, my name is Nachshon. And, uh, he says, Nachshon, uh, this is such a great name. And he goes on to explain, uh, a Jewish tradition behind the Hebrew name Nachshon. And basically once the people were saved and delivered by Moses, from the Egyptians, Nachshon was a leader of the tribe of Judah. And before Moses ever put his staff in the water, Nachshon, they say, the tradition says, it's not in the Bible, but the tradition says that Nachshon was already up to his neck in the water uh, looking for the escape. And I tell you, that really does speak to my character a little bit. The name means one who goes before, one who leads. And my middle name is Aaron. And that means, um, well, Aaron was a prophet in the Bible. So it has been a a few minutes, uh, a couple of weeks since I've been on here. My life update is I've just been basically training uh, two times a day and taking care of the kids that I coach at my wrestling club, the Kings and wrestling club in Kingsport, Tennessee. And that's basically been it. Eat, sleep, train myself and train other people. And of course, uh, having some, uh, recovery time in between and that's about it. So the last episode that we left off on was I gave a little bit of a non-religious spiritual dialogue and I just kind of talked about it was just a little bit of a rant from for myself and where I was in life and what I was learning there I always say this in every episode there's so much information out there so much that it's I mean it's imp- almost impossible to digest it all and I believe that on this journey of life we go through these moments where we are discarding information uh, and we are accepting information and certain types of information will, will be more beneficial to us and more helpful for us when, when we receive it. And then certain information, it may not be for you right now. Now I had an interesting thought the other day. Well, it was like really more like four to five, maybe six weeks ago. And this thought was this, maybe the Bible, I remember I had this this dream and I was thinking maybe the Bible really isn't for everyone. And the reason I brought that up is because there, ever since the obviously canonization of the scriptures, we have seen obviously many people do right by the scriptures, do right by 
um, Yahuwah uh, or Jehovah or God, um, we have seen many people do right by the scriptures and do right by others with the scriptures. But then there are many people, I think that there are, are just as many people, if not more people, who use the scripture for their own, I wouldn't say personal gain, and I don't think there's anything wrong with necessarily with personal gain if it's the case that, you know, you're you are gaining to help other people gain. I think that's that's positive, right? If you don't have something to give to other people, how can you know, how can you help others? So I think first you have to receive it and then you can give it to other people. I think that's I think that's proper. You can't give love if you don't have love. You can't give hope if you don't have hope. Um and yeah, you can't give revelation if you haven't received a revelation, right? Um, so, but that being said, there are many people who have taken the word of God and the scripture and have used it not for other people as an end goal, but for themselves as an end goal, for their own desires as a uh, an end goal. And we've talked about in our, the purpose of the wilderness, we talked about, um, this idea that it's not what goes into you that defy, that defiles you, but what comes out of you that defiles you. And so many of us, um, have been born into the church system, um, and the institution of church. And the reason why I say it like that is because I, I have a general, I would say, I wouldn't say disdain. I mean, maybe, maybe I would. I have a general, in some ways, a disdain for the, the institution of the church, which in my experience squashes the spirit of God and squashes the revelation um, that comes from the spirit of God. Now we have to remember, you know, we, we, we have to remember back in, um, now Israel was a pattern of the church. Israel, um, especially coming out of Egypt, their whole story is a pattern of the church today. And the same things that we see with Israel are the same things that we're seeing today with, um, the, the modern church. One of those things which was uh, important for the Israelites to do and which was, I, I want to say probably a command or a law, I believe it's in Numbers chapter 16, but um, I'll have to check that reference at some point in time. In Numbers, we see that once the tabernacle was created in the wilderness, uh, the people were to, when the cloud which is representative of the Holy Spirit. When the cloud was over the, the tabernacle, over the tent, it meant that the people were to set up camp. It meant that they were supposed to relax, hang out. This is where we stand. This is where we are kind of, you know, digging our feet in the sand. When that cloud lifted up and when it departed, that is when they were to pack up their gear their tents, their food, their families, and they were to go off and follow wherever the cloud was taking them. 
uh, and you remember that um, Yahuwah or Jehovah was uh, a fire by night and a cloud by day. Now, in the same way today, uh, we, we in some ways have seen the Holy Spirit. We've seen many moves of the Holy Spirit in the modern church, but on a personal level and on a corporate level, we need to recognize uh, what the Holy Spirit is doing. We need to recognize where he is moving, where he is going, and we need to follow his leading and his uh, guidance. Uh, And why is that? Well, Let's, uh, let's pull up John, uh, John, I believe it's John 16. Now, give me a second here. I'm gonna, gonna pull this up. Normally I, I, when I get on these podcasts, I just, it's just me, um, kind of just following what the Holy Spirit wants to say. Um, generally when it comes to at least scriptural things, and sometimes I just have my own rants, um, but generally when it comes to kind of bringing the word out, it's, um, it's something that I feel that the father wants to kind of speak. So if we turn to John chapter 16, uh, verse four, we'll, we'll read some things from the words of Yeshua from Jesus himself. And he says in John sixteen four, he says, but these things I have told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asks me, where do you go? Sorry, this is in King James Version, so I'm having a hard time deciphering some of the these and thous. But now, and this is verse 5, but now I go my way. I'm going to switch up to ESV for a second. I do like studying the King James Version, but... Readability, (laughs) I give it a a, a three out of 10 for readability. Um, So in John chapter 16, verse five, he says, but now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you ask me, where are you going? In verse six, but because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. In verse seven, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I think sometimes we miss the role of the Holy Spirit in, um, in what he does as, as the helper, his role as the helper. In verse 16, uh, and, and excuse me, in verse 8, he says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. I think it's important to keep this in context for a second here because it's not so much that people who don't know him don't believe in him. It's people who should know him don't believe in him. They is referring to the Judahites during the time uh, and who were in power during the time of um, when Jesus was on the earth. I think that's super important to understand, guys, that the Bible was written to a certain group of people at a certain a specific time period. And I'm not saying that it does not apply to modern day 
believers. But I am saying that first, we must see in light of its historical and cultural uh, context. And once we see that, then we can make uh, other applications towards ourselves. Unfortunately, in the modern day church today, everything is flipped upside. We want to start with ourselves. We want to apply it first to ourself, our problems, our worries, our issues, our concerns. We want to do that first. And, and then we want to, if we have time, go check out the historical and the cultural context uh, of the scripture. I don't think that that's the proper way to, to study scripture. And not that I'm saying that, you know, if, if you are where you are and that's all you can do is, is see it for yourself right now, nothing wrong with that. But it's important that we do uh, grow up and truly learn um, the historical, moral, literal, spiritual applications of the scripture, um, particularly uh, who the heck Jesus was talking to and why he was saying what he was saying. So when he says, um, I will convict the world concerning sin because they do not believe in me. He's specifically talking about the Judahites, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those people who are in power uh, over the temple. Uh, these are the types who he was um, referring to. And it's a sin for them because they knew that Yeshua, who, which means God is my salvation or Yahuwah, uh, is my salvation. They knew that he was the Messiah and it was sin for them because he, the things that he spoke and the things that he did revealed his character as uh, the anointed one, the one who has been anointed by, um, by the father. And Jesus himself says, um, he says, you know, when they accused him, of sinning and when they accuse him of many things, he says, for which of these things do you guys accuse me? Right? When he heals the blind, the dumb, the, the sick, the lame, uh, when he heals all these people, he is bringing forth the manifestation of uh, the kingdom of God in that he is the healer and that he has been given the authority and the power uh, by the Father to go and do those things. Now, um, he says it's concerning righteousness because I go to the father and you will see me no longer. And again, I would say we have to see this in its, uh, in its context, right? Uh, this righteousness, uh, this is this idea of being right according to the the standard of, of the law of God, which means that, um, and Jesus himself said it, it, he said in Matthew chapter five or 17, that, uh, I come to fulfill. I didn't come to ab abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. Right. And with that being said, the fulfillment of the law is righteousness. If you check out Romans chapter eight, verse one through, I don't know, six, five, six, um, it talks about just this thing. It says, 
Therefore, um, and unfortunately, uh, Romans is, it's a, a seamless garment and there's a continuity of thought, but I'm, I'm kind of breaking into the continuity of thought by quoting this, um, this uh, specific verse. So he says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. It goes on to say that God has done what the law could not do by sending his own son, Yeshua, in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled, might be fulfilled. There is a righteous requirement uh, in those who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There's a spirit of the law. And then there's the fleshly carnal interpretation of the law. There is a law that sets one free. And then there's a law that leads to sin and death. So concerning righteousness, because I go to the father and you will see me no longer. And this has everything to do with Yeshua, Jesus, fulfilling the law. Everything that was spoken of about him concerning um, the Christ and what he would do, what he would suffer, and the fact that he would be raised on the third day, right? That is the righteousness that we're concerning. And then he ascended, uh, he ascended to the Father, and he says, you will see me no longer. And he ascended to the Father um, uh, right after he resurrected. Many people um, kind of miss this part as, a, as an understanding of the fulfillment. We all know the Passover fulfillment. Passover was when he died on the cross. Um, uh, we all know the Pentecost fulfillment is when the Holy Spirit came down upon the, the heads of the disciples. But do we remember, do we know what happened after he resurrected and what, what he fulfilled uh, on the wave sheaf offering. So the wave sheaf offering was fulfilled. And this is, again, this is according to scripture. Passover was a feast that the people, um, the Jewish people kept. Um, and of course it was concerning the Christ. Now with the wave sheaf offering was essentially they would take the first fruits of, I believe it was the fall harvest. Uh, no, the spring harvest, because it's a spring um, feast. And in the temple, at a certain hour, they would take the, the harvest and they would wave it up and down and up and down. And that spoke to, uh, and that was the, the first fruits. That was a wave sheaf offering that was speaking to the first fruits. And so Jesus, um, before he ascended 40 days after he resurrected, there was a point in time uh, when the priests were waving the wave sheaf offering that Jesus himself actually ascended into heaven um, before the 40 days that he spent on earth. Um, 
and he fulfilled the wave sheaf offering. He presented himself to God in the, in the tabernacle of heaven, in the courts of heaven, as the first fruits of those who will be resurrected. And it's basically God looking at him and saying, okay, um, you are an acceptable, you are an acceptable um, first fruit. And now he sees what, what everyone else will look like uh, at the end of, you know, the great harvest, which is, of course, the, the resurrection, which is really, really cool. So sorry, I didn't mean to go that deep into that. But, um, and then lastly, in verse 16, he says concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Well, who the heck is the ruler of this world? Uh, that's a great question. In 2 Corinthians, it says that the God of this world has blinded the minds or the eyes of uh, unbelievers from seeing the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So whoever the ruler of the world is, uh, it is, well, at that point in time, it was not maybe who we thought it was. I don't know. Maybe it's the case that it wasn't uh, the father. Obviously the father is sovereign in all things, but um, for a certain period of time, he, he gives ownership and gives authority to certain rulers of the world. Um, the ruler of the world could have been uh, Satan or Ha-Satan, Satan. The ruler of the world could have been Rome during that time, right? The ruler of the world could have been the Pharisees who were, um, you know, in power during that time. Many ways to interpret this. And in my opinion, the ruler of that world, um, I think it was limited to that, uh, to Israel. I think it was limited to those who ruled um, during that time. The teachers, the rulers, um, during that time were the Pharisees, those who were in power, I think. And I think I want to say, it was either, I think the Pharisees were, um, in power in the temple during this time. It might've been the Sadducees, but, um, either way concerning judgment, because the ruler of that world was judged and is judged, uh, during that time. In verse 13, we read when the spirit of truth comes, well, in verse 12, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. In verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you. We do not guide him, the Holy Spirit, but he guides us. That's, that's a different... I think in many times we... I think we believe this in some ways, but I also think that we um, have a hard time in practice allowing this to be a reality in our lives. Um, for he would not speak on his own authority. So whatever the Holy Spirit is doing, he's not doing it on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Whatever the Holy Spirit hears, 
Well, he says the spirit of truth. Let's just, we'll stick to that for a second. When the spirit of truth comes, whatever he hears, he will speak. Isn't that wild, guys? My goodness. Whenever the spirit of truth comes, whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And he, the spirit of truth, will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. My goodness, this is a beautiful thing. All this to be said, the Holy Spirit is the one who should be leading, guiding, that is to say the spirit of truth, should be leading and guiding. And we are to be looking and to be aware of what he is saying, what he is doing, how he is doing it. And I believe that this is, uh, I think this is what it means to be set apart. To be holy means to be set apart for a purpose. It doesn't necessarily have, it doesn't have a positive or negative connotation um, necessarily. Uh, the prostitutes are set apart for a purpose, um, right? They are holy, set apart prostitutes. In the same way, uh, we can be set apart for the work of God. But I believe that uh, we're going to have a hard time doing that if we do not allow the spirit of truth to guide us, right? And we have to understand that the Holy Spirit's not speaking on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he speaks. So the Holy Spirit will will always be in line with what has already been spoken. And he will declare the things that are to come, which is wonderful. And um, of course, when we look at this in its historical context also, we recognize that, uh, that this was particularly to a certain group of people for a certain specific time. Now, I want to go back to my statement before where I said the Bible may not be for everyone. And the reason why I said that is for this specific and particular reason. In, in hindsight, anyone can take the scripture and learn from it. Anyone can uh, cast their burdens upon Messiah. Anyone can learn from him. Anyone can deny themselves and take up their cross and follow after him. The scripture says that many are, um, many are called, but few are chosen. Anyone can do it, but not everyone does. Anyone can do that, but not everyone does. Not everyone allows the Holy Spirit to guide them. And I think therein lies the issue. Because we have people who 
are not guided by the Holy Spirit, that are not guided by the spirit of truth, but are guided by their own uh, intuition, their own tradition, their own comfortability, their own doctrine, their own dogmatic practices and creeds. You have many people who are um, guided not by the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, but who, um, who are guided by themselves and by their tradition. What happens when a person is guided not by the spirit of truth, but by themselves? We see uh, believers, so-called believers, or professing believers, that don't look like Christ at all. We see people who live, act, think, speak different than Christ lived, act, spoke, and thought. We see people who want to save their lives instead of laying it down. We see people who set down their cross instead of pick it up. We see people who oppress uh, the, the broken and the poor and the needy. We see people who um, reject those who need help. We see people who are self-righteous and self-loving and who identify with their, um, their group of people, their collective. And I have to tell you, they read the Bible. They might read the Bible every day. Um, and I truly believe that the Bible is a manual for, um, training up people to walk and to lead and to serve. Um, the way that I look at it is like this. You have this, uh, imagine this, this book that lawyers study from. Okay. Not only lawyers, but people who, like Supreme Court judges, okay? You have this book that Supreme Court judges study from. And in this book, they learn all the, the precedents that were made. They learn all the history. They learn um, how to judge rightly. They learn how to judge properly. Uh, this, the Bible is a book for those types of people, the Bible is a book not just for the layman, the person who doesn't, want, who doesn't care to take up the, that same mantle. I know that the, the Bible, the Word of God, is for those who are serious about making uh, God uh, and His Word and the kingdom of God uh, to come to pass here on earth. And there are many people who are really not serious about that. There are many people who, who, um, who don't really care about the kingdom of God, who don't want to care about it. And who for them, it's just, it's just another saying. And to be honest, the Bible, in my opinion, is, is really not for them. The Bible is not for people who don't want to live as God has called them to live. In fact, I believe that 
people who are reading the Bible and who are actively uh, rejecting the spirit uh, of truth, um, I believe that there is, I wouldn't say a greater judgment on them, but I would say that if you know what's right to do, but you fail to do it, that's sin. And many people will, uh, as even the scripture says, will die in their sin and their ignorance of the truth because they were not prepared to, um, they weren't really prepared for the calling of that the Bible has for them. So that's why I say the Bible isn't for everyone. Um, that's why I say it's not for everyone. And although that every, anyone can read it, although anyone can uh, interpret it however they want to, um, I think the purpose of the scripture is to, uh, to draw us closer to God and to allow us to know the history um, of the people of God um, who God calls his people and his law and his statutes and his commands, what it means to love a creator and creation. And there are many people who don't really care for any of that stuff. And, um, that is, that is the reason why I say it's not for everyone. It's a high call. It's a high call, guys. Paul says uh, that we should press on towards a high calling. We should leave um, what was behind behind. We don't look behind. We press on towards the high call um, in Christ, right? Um, and shoot, so that we can attain a, a better resurrection, guys, so that we can attain a better resurrection. So with that being said, um, to be honest, I'm not really exactly sure my audience, but I hope that you guys got something out of that today. Um, again, I, I didn't really plan, um, for this in particular, but, um, it's what the father put on my heart to speak about. And, uh, so I spoke about it and, uh, I, uh, if you guys have any comments, thoughts, questions, be sure to maybe send me a, a message or send me a, a note or, um, if you're on anchor, you can go ahead and leave a voice message and, you know, I will get back and I'll respond to those things. Um, so blessings to you guys and we will see you, uh, in another episode of the overcoming life podcast.